Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today on today's Stay in the Big episode all the way from Dallas, Texas. I got a very special guest. If you haven't heard of her, you will now. She's an absolute firebomb when it comes to when it comes to producing. She's an absolute rock star when it comes to the financial world. She's a superstar in entrepreneurship. And I don't say this lightly, guys. This is the epitome of what it is to be a rock star in business. Please allow me to introduce you guys, Andrea Buckham-Jack. Well, thank you so much, Warner. Again, my name is Andrea Buckham-Jack, and I am privileged and honored to be on Stay in the Big, which is such a big deal, a place where everybody can come in and feel connected just based upon the information you're going to receive today. So I'm excited to be here. So Warner, let's get the ball rocking and rolling. Speaking of the ball, I know you come from a balling background. You used to play sports, right? Tell us a little bit about your, about because I think I'm not, a lot of people miss it in the backstory. They, they forget that you're an ex-athlete. So could you tell us a little about your hoop days? Absolutely. So to give you just not just the hoop days, I used to run track as well. Um, I was born and raised in Jamaica. So athletics have always been a part of my background and just continuing it, you know, it's really, really important uh, for me. So when I came to the U.S., you know, one of the biggest thing for me was just trying to be in a position to live the American dream. And that was to continue pursuing my goals and dreams. But when you get here in America, you really don't know what your goals and dreams are anymore because it's not what you expect when you get here, right? Um, so for me, I, I came here, saw my mom working extremely hard, three jobs and money was still a problem. So I really didn't know what the American dream was. And I just wanted to make my mom happy. I came in, um, I went one year in high school here and how basketball really started. I went to my high school and I was pretty tall. I was like 90 pounds and tall girl, five, nine, you know, and they were like, man, you know, do you play basketball? And I was fresh off the boat. So I really didn't know anything about basketball. We have what we call netball, which is similar, but you can't dribble the ball. And um, they were like, you should try out for the team. And that was right before the summertime. So I didn't know anything about basketball. So my mom yeah. put me in a, a basketball camp and, um, you know, I went to camp for about two months and I mastered my craft in basketball within two months. I didn't know anything. Um, I just went in with an open mind, ready to learn something new, but also be the best at that something new that I was learning. So I, I killed it. I went back. I tried out for the team. I made the team. I made rookie of the year, MVP of the year. And that was just my first year playing basketball. Um, so my philosophy of all, has always been in life, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So that's where the basketball came in. So that was one thing for me. I already had the sprint. I already had the speed because I run track and I, I already had the height. So all I needed to do was learn the skills of the basketball and I was good to go. So that was one thing that was big for me. And I continued that. And when it was time for me to go off to college, being an immigrant in this country for a very long time puts you into a different perspective. So, you know, my real story, my true story is the, the journey of an immigrant coming into a country where you're able to see so much, but you can't have as much. Because when I came here, I was an immigrant for about 12 years and I struggled after graduating high school. It was very difficult to take on the scholarships because you know, I I wouldn't say I wasn't able to go to school. Social didn't have a social. I was a full-on immigrant, so it was very challenging. 
Um, but an opportunity showed up and I was able to go to one of the top universities in New York uh, to play basketball, but I had to pay my way out. So mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to get a degree, um, but I, was, I had to pay my way through and I worked full time. I was a student full time and I was an athlete full time. So um, the drive was there. I just wanted the opportunity and it was given to me to go to college graduated with a degree in biology and minor in psych. And I went on from there and it was history after that. So I'm excited um, just for the opportunity. See, I have the work ethic. I have the drive. I have the will. It's just an opportunity that I was seeking. And I knew what that opportunity was like, which was freedom, which I received. Right. So I'm excited. But that's, that's, and that's powerful because that, 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 and and that leads me to some points that we'll get to get to in the future. What so in many ways, basketball was a new sport for you coming in. Like yes. you, you had something similar, but it was a new sport. And not only did you become good at it, but you excelled in it. Because not many people get to play, you know, big school, high level, you know, collegiate basketball. So I I I what I want to get into is your transformations and transition into not only are you an immigrant in this country, but not only are you playing a new sport, but you're also excelling at both. Like what, what was the motives? What were the drives behind all of that? What, what was the American dream for you? Uh, the American dream for me was freedom. And what I really mean by freedom, I really wanted to design life the way I wanted to, because being born and raised in, in the ghetto back home in Kingston, where you wake up and there's that dead bodies laying outside and you know, going to school, you have to just pay attention to your surroundings because anybody can just start, you know, shooting and, you know, you go through life living that way. When you get an opportunity and you see an opportunity, you will never take it for granted. And I think that's where it comes in for a lot of people, why they why they don't go 100% is because they've never experienced less than because they've always had more than. Mm-hmm. which is so important for me. So I've always had less than, so when I got the opportunity to go out and go do the best that I can, and that will also give me the opportunity to have more than what I am accustomed to, it, it showed up more because I realized most people didn't want it bad enough because they had it right in front of their faces. And I did my entire life. So being in a position where I'm able to come in and learn a different sport that can give me an opportunity to free myself and create the life that I want. Why would I play around with something when all I need to do is take advantage of that something? Right. That's big. That's big. I want to make that transition because you obviously you, you, you graduated in bio and in psychology, but you end up being a financial like mogul in many aspects like why the transition where the transition that's a that's a great uh question um because what i realized as you get older everything you go through life is to just teach you different things and um going into college you never have an end destination because everybody's destination becomes yours your families your friends your environment so you don't even have an idea of what you want your destination to be the family always wanted the family doctor so that was my destination So everybody's pit stop becomes my pit stop. Does that make sense? So going through college, I really didn't know, you know, and I think that's a a big issue in today's uh, society. We don't know what we want to do. We know what our parents want to do. And what I realized is people live their lives through you based upon what they didn't get the opportunity to do. 
So I realized uh, my family was living through me. They wanted that doctor. They wanted that, you know, that title. And I was just pursuing what they wanted. And when I graduated and realized that that wasn't what I wanted when I redirected myself, right? And um, how did I really get into entrepreneurship? I always knew I, I couldn't work for anybody, right? I always knew the value I brought was always going to be more than what I got paid because right. any job I go to, I'm always needed on the job. I never needed the job. Let me say that mm -hmm. one more time. Every job that I've ever been on, they've always needed me. I never needed a job. You know why? No I job. took advantage rather than taking, you know, I took advantage of the opportunities, which means I go in there and I express, I show my skills. I show what I'm capable of. I show the job that you're always going to need me because of the value that I bring. So I didn't chase the money. I chased the value that I will bring to the organization so that no matter what they do, they're always going to see me as a valuable asset to their organization. So when I, when I retransitioned myself into becoming an entrepreneur and I told individuals that I was heading out, I was going off to the military at the same time, everything changed for me. Everything changed for the entire organization because they were losing a very valuable asset. So I tell people every time, and if, if I go into a place, or I go into a position for me, I always leave a mark. I always mm -hmm. leave an impact. Mm -hmm. That way, whenever I leave, you're always gonna remember that person because of the value that they brought to the space. So transitioning from biology to entrepreneurship, I already knew I couldn't work a nine to five. It was just not set in stone. I all my life, I knew I was going to be great. I was just waiting for the right opportunity. And that right opportunity, I had to go through everything to learn what I needed to learn to be, be in a position to now serve in the right way, which is through the financial field. That's powerful. How, by the, what branch of military did you go to? I was in the Navy. I did uh, six years in the Navy. Six years in the Navy. So... Do you mean to tell everybody that's on this, on this, on listening in, do you mean to tell us that the prerequisite to becoming a successful entrepreneur is to have a major in bio and in psych and go to the Navy? Like, Absolutely like, not. but like, like it's, it's the, the reason. Why, and it's funny that you mentioned like about having a job. I was on the opposite side of the sky. I always jokingly say like I had 12 to 13 jobs before I became an entrepreneur. And I think I got fired 12 to 13 times, but I was just, unemployable like i had i i believe I, I think many and you know i know most all entrepreneurs have felt the same way and i'm sure there's a lot of listeners that feel the same way where you look at you look like you look at upper management and you're like why i am why am i not there why am i not getting paid those bucks like i'm more than i'm more than what i'm getting paid so when you have that feeling and you're you're in the navy how are you like we talk, I, you, we hear this a lot, especially through social media, opportunity, 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 but nobody ever really knocks at your door. How did you come across where you are today? Like, what, was that something that you Googled? Was that something that you called someone? Was that, well, how, how did you come across that? You see, a lot of times in life, what we're looking for is not what usually show up. So we can't say the opportunity never show up. The question is, are you looking and are you open? Is your door open enough? Is your mind open enough to see the opportunity that is presented to you, not in the form that you want to? Because when I joined the military, I was gung-ho. 
right? I was an E6 in three and a half years. I did a lot of major things in a short time span. Remember how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I executed the day I got into the Navy, nonstop. I went hard, I worked hard and I made sure to do everything I needed to do. But here's the deal, right? You're saying the biggest thing there is how did I transition in the military? You know how hard you work. You know how much you get paid. And when you look at the value when you're done, you're really like, what, what am I doing? So when this opportunity was presented to me, I was already driving Uber and Lyft because they always say the hardest working people can't sit, sit still. I wasn't making enough money in the military. Thank God I was doing other things because my dad was diagnosed with cancer. See, mm -hmm. and when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, the first person he called was me asking for $30,000 to live just a little bit longer. What if I was just working uh, at the in the military? The military wasn't even paying me enough to take care of myself. How was I going to be able to take care of my family? So it's not if people are going to need me, it's when, and that's always in the back of my head. So I realized a job would not be able to take care of me and my loved ones. So I had to seek something else. I had to do something else, which is why I was driving Uber and Lyft. So I'm thinking to myself, why work 30 years if 30 years can still not take care of me and my loved ones if they need me? What's the purpose? What's the point? What's the end goal? What's the destination right. of doing 30 years? And if someone tr that I truly love and care about, not if, when they call me, I'm not prepared because financially I'm not stable. So I've always drove Uber and Lyft every weekend, on average $2,000 a weekend, but then I realized my butt was burning right? I was sitting too long <laughs> and I was giving Uber all the money. And then the opportunity to get into the financial industry changed my life. You know why? Because I realized everything revolved around money and I didn't know anything about it. So what I realized is people chase money rather than learn how to make money. Two different concepts. Working for it and making it are two different things. So I understood that from the day I graduated college, I didn't want to work for money. I wanted to make money. Mm -hmm. So when I got it, got this opportunity, I realized this is a chance for me to, to save lives because my dad died from cancer. And the biggest issue was there was no money. See, I have the cure for financial cancer, which is knowledge and knowledge is the new currency. So my job is to serve and educate. And by doing that, it's simply allows me to become a person of significance and a person of value, which means I now attract money. So now I get to make money without having to worry about working for money. That's, I, I, by the way, that's so powerful. And I think, I think, you know, it's coming from, coming from a family that's, you know, I, I still have, I'm grateful to still have mom and dad, but like, I can't imagine the burden of that happening and not only that but the financial burden there's, there's an emotional part of that and then there's the financial part of that right which is a it's a reality um for and and i'll, I'll get i'll get into I'll, I'll get into a little bit of some of that later but how do how did you know that this was for you like at what point did you say because there's also this we live in an era of like oh that's not aligned with me or or, oh, I, I don't know if that's right for me. How did you know that this opportunity was right for you? Like, how did you know that, okay, entrepreneurship is for me, but entrepreneurship in this capacity is for me? Hmm. You really want me to answer that question? Because that's, 
that's a question that a lot of people usually run from. And I'm going to give you the full on the truest answer is just a way it's an excuse mechanism. People find a way to make an excuse because let me ask you a question, right? Are you, are you passionate about building wealth? Absolutely. Okay. Um, when you used to work at JOB, were you passionate about the job? No. You were just passionate about making money to pay your bills so that you don't have to worry about debt collectors calling you every day, your car being repoed. So you didn't have a passion to go to work every day, but you had a passion to pay your bills. See, I have a passion for building wealth. So I don't need to love what I do. I need to understand what I do mm. and why I'm doing what I'm doing. See, a lot of people's like, oh, this is not for me. But yet still they do things every single day that are not for them, but they do it just because it's going to take care of something. I don't know what that thing is. But for me, my passion is wealth building. And I don't care what it is because I used to have a, have a nail salon. I used to have a cleaning company. I've done real estate. I was a personal trainer. I sold the juices. I drove Uber and Lyft. You name it, I did it. Why? My passion was what? Wealth building. I had to find something that was going to help me build wealth. And I knew a nine to five wasn't going to do it. Why? A I've never seen a person that has built wealth through just the J-O-B. It, it will never work. It's too much that's tied to it, right? right? So I had to learn two things in order to build wealth in America. It's two things you focus on. is OPM and, other, OPM and tax codes. Other people's money and understanding taxes, which is one of the main reasons why I seek out entrepreneurship. That's one of the main reasons why. So I don't need to have a passion for what it is that I do. I just need to have a passion for building wealth and a passion for designing my life the way I want to, which will allow me to be in position to be open-minded enough to learn things that people are always going to need and want to help me get to my destination, which is financial freedom, but also building wealth, not just for me, but those that are around me and those, the, the ones that I truly love and care about, because it's not if someone is going to call me for help, is when they're going to call me and have I built enough wealth to help them to the best of my capabilities. Were, was there, was there, that's powerful. Was there in, in that growth, in that finding, in this new space, were there people in your life that helped you along the way? Um, one of the biggest things that I share with people all day long is I don't go into anything with expectations because when you go into things with expectations is when we, we when we become disappointed and Man, we feel part. like people yeah. let us down. So for me, I've, I've never looked for help along the way. If help showed up, it was great. Um, I just always knew I wasn't expecting everybody to support what I do because it's not their life. It's my life. I wasn't expecting everybody to, to support my decisions because as a strong-minded person with core values, the decisions you make, a lot of people are not going to go along with it. So yes, of course, a lot of people didn't agree with me going away from the degrees that I have and pursuing entrepreneurship, but that's their belief. So of course, they didn't help. And a lot of times what I realize is even the ones that truly love and care about you the most that say they want you to win, they will only want you to win at a certain level. So they will not help you, which is why I don't look for help from everybody, because not everybody truly wants to help. They want to help to an extent. 
So right. my expectations of help is a little bit different. If I get it, it's great. If I don't, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't change the, the route to my destination. It just makes sure that I, I grind harder, right? To be able to get to where I need to be. So help is an option. Help is an option. I love I I, I love that because there's a there's I think too many times we get stuck in on the well, no one was there to help me, but there's also individuals like yourself that are self-starters. Like, dude, just make it happen, right? Kind of like um, I, I was I was privileged enough to be at one, at one of your events this weekend, and there was a gentleman there by the name of uh, Daniel Fombo, and he talked about, like, your, your mentorship isn't going to teach you everything. you got to go figure things out, right? There's power in figuring things out. Um, you, you obviously didn't come from a background where your family – you, you didn't come from a background of family who understood finances. You didn't come from a background where the educational system taught you finances. You, you, didn't, you didn't come from a background where you were passionate about finances, but now you find yourself in a place where you're an expert in finances. In that growing, in that building, what are things in place that you can teach our audience that, what are things that you did that were necessary for you to become a master at your craft? One of the biggest things I always say is you have to find a niche. A lot of people are in the financial industry, but what is your edge? What is your, what is your niche? My niche is I'm a people's person. So when I sit down with anybody, I find a way to connect because if there's no connection, there's no trust, right? If there's no connection, no one is really going to trust you because in the financial world, a lot of people sees you as a nightmare. Why? Someone has came into their life before and screwed up their finances and told them to do the wrong thing. So I always explain, if you're going to be in the financial field, you have to learn to empathize, to connect with people, understand who they are, what they are about and why they feel the way they feel and express your story as to why you're in the industry or why you're doing it. So they can truly understand that you are in this genuinely and not just to cut a paycheck. Because I go on a lot of appointments and I see big time financial professionals or are just there for the money. And it's sad, but that's just the way it works. But when you get in there, your main objective is just to show the red flags and let your clients see and understand. And even individuals you're working with, show them how to go in there and just be themselves, connect with people. Because this is an industry where we need more selfless people rather than selfish people. Mm. right so that that's one of the major things for me and mastering my craft is pretty simple everybody's waiting for someone to give them something everybody wants the process to be easy now I have a philosophy I wasn't born into an easy life so I cannot expect things to be easy I know if I wanted something I have to go get it see remember what I told you in the beginning when you are born into it you feel obligated two things. I wasn't born into anything. So I'm not obligated for anyone to give me anything. I go look for it. I go search for it. Right. I take the time out to understand that I'm not good in an area. And my job is to go master that area, read the books, watch the audios, find somebody who have mastered it and look at exactly what they do. I was a horrible speaker, but what did I have to do? I had to go in and watch the greats and what they do and how they do it and then create my own niche. See, everybody just wants things to be handed to them. 
Everybody want to sound like somebody. Everybody wants to make the money everybody's making, but nobody is willing to do the work yeah. to get them there. You know, that's, that's really important. That's so funny you say that. I didn't, I didn't, when I first started my podcast, I didn't know squat on how to record. I didn't know how to camera angle. I didn't know how to design. I didn't like nothing, nothing. But thank God for the YouTube University. For those of you out there, you can subscribe for free. It's <laughs> right. There's a lot of things that you can just learn. You can just go out there and learn. Um, no, that's, that's powerful. And, and, and you take an initiative now. I want to I want to kind of go back into the entrepreneurship space because something else happens when you go into entrepreneurship space that that you know many of us aren't aren't aware of that and that's emotional awareness emotional intelligence right you obviously we you know that you talked about the freedom you talked about the income and and the financial freedom that that gave you but there's also there also comes a, a emotional burden things in life continue to happen we talked about you know you brought you brought up um, your, your father being ill. Um, you know, and I'm sure that took its toll. And then we're in a we're in a business where we work with people, and that takes its toll. Where, so my question to you is, where do you find time to fill your cup? And number two, what are things that you did in place early on to fill that emotional capacity? One of the biggest things I realize is, you know, as you go through life, everybody don't everybody tried to ignore the fact that you're going to go through things, right? Um, and I explain to people all the time is not what you go through is how you grow through what you go through, because it's going to show up in a different form next year just to test to see if you've grown last year. Right. So every level you go to, there will be different challenges, but we, we expect life to come easy and there's no pain. But if there's no pain, that means you're not alive. You're just going with the flow of life. So you're going to feel pain if you're alive and you're looking to make things happen in your life. So for me, how I deal with things is super simple. I have a 10 minute rule where something pisses me off for 10 minutes. I deal with it in the 10 minutes and then I let it go. Why? Uh, attaching myself to a situation that I have no control of is just to show that I have no emotional intelligence to realize that I cannot change the situation. I can only find solutions to the situation. Mm -hmm. So I always say no problem exists until you put energy to it. Like there's no fire until you put gas and a matchstick to the fire, right? It's the same thing in life. There's no problem that you that is too big that cannot be to that cannot be solved. So if you some people just like to to complain about the problem so they never look towards the solution. Challenges are going to happen. You have a job, challenges are going to happen, but you still got to go to your job. But you have mm -hmm. people who are entrepreneurs and they're not even entrepreneurs, they're solopreneurs because they're doing it on their own. That means if they don't show up, they don't make any money. Yet still the complaint is I'm going through things. Well, let me ask you a question. If you are going to a job and going through things, wouldn't you have to show up to work just to make the income to pay the bills, even though you're emotionally distressed? So yeah. why is it now that you're a solopreneur and you're going through life, but because you control your time, you allow the things you're going through to take over your entire day, your entire week, your entire month, and then you complain that there's a problem. If you don't look for a solution, the problem will always be there. But if you search out for solutions, it decreases 
right? The chance of that problem showing up again, because you can pinpoint when it's about to show up and start looking and seeking solutions. So for me, I don't worry about anything I don't have control of. That's number one. And number two, I am only allowed to be upset for about 10 minutes. And then I have to deal with the situation and detach myself from the situation because there's nothing else I can do with it after it's said and done, right? Besides finding solution towards the issues. Life is gonna happen. My dad died. I did nine appointments that day. When my dad died, I, I did nine appointments. All right. And at the end of the day, why did I do nine appointments? I cannot bring my dad back. But I don't know out of those nine appointments who would be diagnosed with cancer later on. And because I'm mourning the situation that I cannot bring back, I didn't end up saving those families life. Remember, I'm in a business to serve people. So even if when I don't want to, I have to. Why? I don't want them to go through what I went through. Nobody knocked on my family's door. Nobody made sure my dad was okay, right? And there's many more of these situations to come. So if I allow the situations that I'm dealing with in life to take me down from doing my act of service, what's the point? I have a gift and my gift is to serve. Even when I don't feel like serving, I have to keep going. That part, being a servant leader, that's huge. Especially in an industry where I think I... My mentor once told me this. He goes, he goes, the more selfish, the more self the growth looks selfish, but actually the more selfish it, it looks, it's the more, it's actually more selfless because it's you, you're growing in capacity. You're growing in, in, you're becoming a bigger asset. You're becoming more resourceful. At the end of the day, what that does is you're, you're, it allows you to help more people. It allows you to, you know, be a bigger impact in your community. It allows you to be a bigger impact in your family. Speaking of community and family, how has your growth and development as a leader yourself and as an entrepreneur helped impact your community and your family? How have you seen the changes in them? It's, it's, a, it's a blessing in disguise to, to be able to see the impact that you can make. Um, I remember when I was back home in Jamaica and it was difficult just to make it to school. And you see some of the kids who struggle because we have to pay to go to school right in Jamaica, what we call elementary here, we call primary school back home. And you have to pay to go to school. You have to pay for your lunch. You have to pay for your books. Nothing was free. And um, because I've made a sacrifice to come into this country and utilize my gifts to, to transfer, you know, and become a, a servant leader, I was able to go back home and donate to my school and give those kids that can't afford to come to go to school because their parents can't afford to, to send them due to COVID and losing their jobs. I was able to give back into my school um, and the impact that it has made on this kid's life. I told them every single one of them, I said, hey, I want you to know that I was just like you a couple of years ago. But what I want you to understand is I dreamed big because I knew I wanted to do big things. So I encourage all of you as kids to dream big. You have to dream anyways, just dream big because me going back there and being able to provide so much resources for the kids who parents can't afford to do it is a big blessing, not just for me, but for those parents who couldn't see a way out. And by doing for that first for these kids, I know one of those kids will remember that student, that past student that came back and gave them a shot 
And I hope that they will go out there and dream big so that they can come back to the community and put back into the community. Because a lot of times we say we want change, but the change we want is the new house, the new car, the new lifestyle. And remember, I'm not living for me. I'm living for the people that are coming after me. The impact that I want to make is bigger than the house that I want to have. It's bigger than the, the, the amount of cars I want to have in the driveway. It's to be able to can see the smile on these individuals' face, to know that we're changing humanity. You don't have to change everybody's life, just change one person's life, and that one person can go change someone else's life, and then we'll change millions of lives. So money is just a by, byproduct of who, of who we become once we acquire it. So, you know, being that leader, I wasn't, I'm never an individual that would say I'm perfect, but I strive for excellence. I strive to be better. I evaluate myself as a leader and know and put myself in a position where I'm a vulnerable person, right? If I'm wrong, I will let you know I'm wrong. If there's something that we need to focus on, I focus on it, but it's one thing I stand by and it's my integrity, it's my morals and my values, it's mean more to me. And it, it plays a major role in my community. It plays a major role in my family. I'm a very big family person, right? So for me, it's, it's a major part of being able to win so they can see what winning is like, so that they have an example so that they can go do it too. But at the same time, just remaining humble because I've, I've realized that you can have it easy, it can come easy and it can go easy. So we just have to always remember to stay grounded, right? And I always say that, stay grounded, which is very important. Yeah, that's big. You, you said something, that, and I love it because it, it leads me to my last question. And you said, it's not for me, it's for those that come after me. One of my favorite, and I say this in every podcast, one of my favorite uh, musicals is Hamilton. Have you, have you, are you familiar with the musical? And no. in, in, in the musical Hamilton's, um, he's, he's trying to, his whole life he's spent trying to become president. And he's nearing, he nears, he's, he's close to dying. And he says, legacy, legacy. Now I see, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, right? And he realizes that legacy wasn't for him to see. Legacy is those that come after him. When Andrea Buckham Jack thinks of legacy, I mean, we're, it's, it's still, I feel like we're still in chapter one of your incredible story. But when we think of legacy, what do you want your legacy to be? Ooh, wee, that's an amazing question. I don't think anybody has ever asked me that question. My main objective has always been to travel the world and there will be a moral there where, you know, it's spreading the impact of influence. And I want when I'm done and my mission is done here, I have no regrets and I will never have any regrets because I live every day like it's my last. So my legacy that I really want to leave is that someone can remember when they're ready to give up and say, you know what, Andrea has taught me how to continue keep, to keep going even when things get rough, right? I want people to be able to can know and understand it doesn't require money to build wealth. Wealth is built from within and then it, it just magnifies once you attract the right things in your life. So for me, I want individuals, once I'm gone, they're going to continue, hey, I'm going to keep going because Andrea, I want that building there where, you know, you can have these young kids to come in for the mentorship and for the development, just to find themselves and just be, be able to be in a position to know that it's okay to be you. It's okay to stand for something because if you don't stand for something, you can fall for anything. 
And that's one of my biggest things when it comes to leaving a legacy is just someone can say, I can keep going because of Andrea. That's powerful. That is powerful. I want to say how much I am grateful for this honor of having you on the podcast. For those who don't know you and are first, the first time listeners, um, where can they find you? Where, where can they connect with you? Awesome. I have an Instagram handle. My Instagram is Andrea Buckham under underscore CEO. Uh, same thing on Facebook is just Andrea Buckham. And it's a privilege. I love to engage with everybody. I'm pretty straightforward. And, and one of the biggest things for me is to always to get to know new people. And um, I learn from everybody day in, day out. So that's one of my biggest blessings. That's amazing. Well, appreciate you once again. And for all you listeners, Thank you for tuning in to Stay in the Big. Remember, guys, you are blessed. You are highly favored. Your family deserves the best version of you. Your business deserves the best version of you. But most of all, this world deserves the absolute best version of you guys. And remember that no matter what, remember to always stay in the big. Take care, guys.